0: Bobo Brazil's got the most matches where the YouTube comments are back in my day. <laughs> Ooh, <goodness. laughs> but it's more so like this is wrestling, not this fireworks and bullshit that the WWE does now. Now this is wrestling. This is a fucking chin hold for ten minutes, and it's the best I've ever been. Not this WWE bullshit. It's like there's so many YouTube comments of that on Boba Brazil matches. It's it's in our form. All right, welcome to the
1: longest bi-weekly episodic podcast of all time, specifically named Tim Bill Pod. I'm Nick, back home in Burbank. Did you know it was it, it dropped under 70 degrees the other day? It was it was crazy. Wow, it was 25 degrees here last <laughs> night.
2: Go Fuck yourself. I've been walking around like like Emperor Palpatine with a fucking hood up. Like I'm some sort of evil keeper individual just to keep myself warm.
0: And don't even get me fucking started on my landlord and the problems that I've been having. And I can't use my heat for certain reasons because the heat spits out weird noxious fumes that make me feel bad or give me headaches. So I bundled up in 25 degree weather last night on my fucking couch and tried to survive. So I, I got you beat, Jake.
2: Well, I think that's your depression that's keeping you both <laughs> up, and that's not not just gas. That's just your depression. That's I'm, I'm going to say
0: this: it is surprisingly no.
2: Okay, all right. Well, I, I we'll disagree. We'll agree to disagree.
1: <laughs> I am also joined. By Papa John's Day of Reckoning, Micah J. Loving.
0: Oh, uh, oh, okay. It took me a second. All right. So uh before I made the big old uh, prediction, because we totally uh we, we might record these episodes a little bit before they come out. I'm trying to show how much of a psychic I am. I I missed the Adam Sandler Oscar prediction, you know, because it's all rigged and bullshit. But uh, my next prediction: Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl. By the time you listen to this episode, the Chiefs will have won the Super Bowl. Jake, you're a bigger football guy than me. What well, you got?
2: Oh, they've already fucked up the storyline. They've already fucked up a whole angle like I've said this time and time again that because of the whole State Farm situation because you have State Farm with Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers you had an opportunity to have them in the Super Bowl they played each other in regular season but Patrick Mahomes was hurt so State Farm had a bought show and the NFL did not deliver a product so as a make good they were going to have the Super Bowl with those two but they already fucked that up so I I don't know what the NFL is doing. They're fucking up their paid shows that they're getting, so (sighs) I don't fucking know what the problem is.
1: And that, of course, on his kayfabe football rant is, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, Tim Bell Pod proudly brings to you the Eddie Guerrero of the Order of the Arrow, the Martin Kirby of the Pinewood Derby, the Innovator of Camping Violence, t-shirt now available at HowDidThisGetBooked.com. The Mad Scout, Jake Manning.
2: I fucking love the Eddie Guerrero of the Order of the Arrow. I'm going to make a fucking t-shirt of that.
1: All right. Well, if you haven't picked up by now, today we are discussing a great wrestler, a great man, a pioneer, Mr. Bobo Brazil. Now, the term trailblazer gets thrown around a lot, but this man really paved the way for Rashid Wallace and Bill Walton. When you hear Bobo Brazil, what's the first thing that pops into your head? Probably the most definitive
2: African-American wrestler of his time. When people think of African-American wrestlers in his time period, he's the guy. He's the number one unquestionable best. It's like thinking about great NBA players and immediately going Michael Jordan. And we're talking decades upon decades of work. I and mean, he was the guy and he was the top drawing act delivered in multiple different territories. I mean, the man through and through in and out of the ring.
0: For me, it uh, after watching every match I can get my hands on, I just hear Cocoa Butt in my sleep now because <laughs> every announcer just said it 15,000 times. Cocoa Butt, like being clubbed over the head with a hammer, as one fast-talking 1960s commentator said. Just the Cocoa Butt forever and ever. Every time I see a headbutt now, I'm just going to be like, hey, it's Cocoa Butt. All
1: right, well, let's let's just do it. Houston Harris was born July tenth, nineteen 1924 in Little Rock, Arkansas
0: also on this day this one's uh here you go nick uh johnny Bach, an american basketball player and coach who in 86 to 94 was an assistant coach to a little person named phil jackson and then he turned out to be the assistant coach for the hornets from 94 to 96 born on the same day as bobo i've never heard of this guy and then uh alan bristow was head coach of the hornets during this time don't remember him at all either not a clue you no clue. See, yeah, we're we're posing. I don't Hornets even know who the head
2: coach of the Hornets is now. So <laughs> no. like, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know,
0: the glory days of the Hornets and knowing the head coach, and then now when nobody really gives a fuck anyway. Well, definitely not now. <laughs>
2: yeah. Definitely, I think it's funny that like we're recording this the night after Kimba Walker finally was on a team that beat LeBron James. Yeah, they destroyed the Lakers. <laughs> Jesus.
0: <laughs> And if you do research, you can figure out what day we're recording. Oh. oh, no. It's like the
1: the Ice Cube song, finding out which day was the good day. We, the be- best internet thing that the internet has ever done. Bobo actually grew up in Illinois and would later live and be billed from Benton Harbor, Michigan. It was in Benton Harbor that Bobo would play baseball for the House of David, which is a very weird, interesting Holy footnote fuck. to this... <laughs> So House of David was like a cult-like commune.
0: It was a a commune. It was a religious commune. Don't say cult, Nick. Fuck.
1: (laughs) The leader considered himself the seventh and final messenger of God. They believed in growing their hair out, their beards really long, abstaining from wine, meat, and sex. And of course, with that level of repression comes the accusations of diddling minors. But the leader died before charges could ever be brought to him. However, they had a very, very, very good baseball team, much better than Jonestown's basketball team. Oh. Uh, they played everyone from the major leagues to the Negro leagues and apparently had a Harlem Globetrotters-like routine that involved juggling the baseball, hiding it in their beards, doing tricks. It, it's very weird. Give it a Google.
0: <laughs> it's super weird.
2: Yeah, but how did they do against Bingo Long and the Traveling All-Stars? That's what I want to know. I've <laughs> never seen I, that movie. I've, I, I see- any, I've only seen clips of it, but. It, It's something I I definitely need to get on,
0: (laughs) for sure. Richard Pryor, Richard Pryor.
2: And Billy D. Williams. Yeah, right.
1: Houston Harris at uh, 6'6", 270, was obviously going to stand out on a baseball field, so he'd soon be discovered by Jumping Joe Savoldi, who convinced Houston to become a wrestler. And that is such a common story. Jake, is this is this usually how it goes? A uh, a pro wrestler sees a big dude out in the world, and he's like, "Hey, baby, where you going? Looking like you can kayfabe real good with all them hips."
2: <laughs> Pretty much, actually, I just listened to Jim Ross's podcast and. He would run into Vince at an airport and Vince would be like, hey, did you run into any talent today? And basically oh, he was wow. just saying, like, did you see anybody in the airport that we could sign?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then I also heard a,
2: st- I heard, also heard a story about Dan Rodmeyer. I heard that somebody just saw him walking on the street and they gave him a contract side on scene because he was just wow. tall and big and shit like that. That's about right. And it's funny, <laughs> when I saw Jumpin' Joe Savoldi... There's either two Jumping Joe Savoldi's or like Jumping Joe Savoldi is like 150 years old. Cause I feel like he like ran shows in the Northeast. In, in the 80s, I know there was a Savoldi uh, he might have been another Joe just like I'm jumping Joe as well or I'm I, or one of those like work brother situations or work son situations but like that's when when you struggle all over I'm like come on, did you hear about the Savoldi shows back in the 80s in the northeast Nicholas? <laughs> I've got the, the three quarter inch tapes and I converted them all over to digital format like don't you know about the Savoldi shows?
0: <laughs> I, I, I would I bet not. a lot of money that there was another Savoldi because if you want a small little detour, deep dive look up Savoldi on Wikipedia Unlike uh, some people we talk about in this podcast, he actually did play for the NFL. Um, He was a spy in World War II. He infiltrated the fucking mafia in Naples, Italy. He had Hollywood things going on. And in the 1940s, he tried to produce his own energy drink called Dropkick, but they couldn't produce it because they were using all the sugar for World War II. The man is fucking incredible. Read up on Savoldi. He's, He's quite the story. After being trained,
1: Bobo started out in 1951, which puts him at around 26 or 27 years old. He'd start out working in Michigan and Canada with the biggest promotion being Maple Leaf Wrestling in Toronto. Initially, Houston was named Boo Boo Brazil, the South American giant. However, a promoter misspelled Boo Boo as Bobo on posters as the letter U was not part of the Canadian language until the early 70s. Since promoters weren't about to fix a typo and a bunch of posters they already printed out, they were just like, eh, change your name.
2: Oh, I almost released the poster without my wrestling champion on it. I've a five (laughs) dollar wrestling poster and I forgot to put Jeff Hart on it with the with the belt. That's how you
0: create intrigue and mystery. Yeah, (laughs) but I was just like,
2: I I don't know, I may have to get this redone, but there was a second like, man, maybe I just release it anyway. So It gets people
0: talking. Is Jeff Hart on the show? What's going on? And then Jeff Hart.
2: And then the and that's just like when we're talking about digital files. This is like when posters were like probably like (laughs) etched out in stone and hung up on walls and like they had like an actual typewriter that made Uh, all of them like I don't I don't know how posters were made before like printers
1: was it the poster for the Indiana show? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, why is Jeff Hart so small on this? Because <laughs> is- I, forgot him. Cause I forgot to <laughs> I put him got, on I'll, there. I'll fit him in right here. Right in the corner.
2: <laughs> I, told him to, I told the guy who made it, like, if you want to get rid of Russell Ranger, just put Jeff Hart's picture. In, but it was, like, such a low quality, we had to put him kind of off in the corner. <laughs> so,
1: I'm like, All right, well, whatever. So at the start of Bobo's career, he would only face other black wrestlers as pro wrestling was uh, integrated at the time. Micah, what were you saying before we started recording about how segregation was working?
0: Oh, yeah. Jim
2: Crow. Oh, Woo. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he said, folks. It was, it was real weird that we wanted him to expand upon it once we got on a microphone, and he really didn't. So uh, he just—he's taking a hard stance on the wrong side of history, and he's just staying there and not explaining why he's there. Much like most people on the wrong side
0: of history. I mean, you know, Jim Crow, and then you think of the crows from Dumbo, and it's my favorite Disney characters. You know, it all makes sense.
2: But that's—it's it's funny, you know. Now that you just brought I don't. This, this shows my ignorance. This shows my blind spot. I didn't realize that there was a time. Or would there be ever a time that you would have segregation in wrestling? I think that's the dumbest thing ever, especially the way that I know that pro wrestling operates. You want a-
0: conflict. Yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly.
2: You're trying to create conflict. And that most certainly is how you do it and maximize it. And you make money off of that. Yeah. And, and that's, kind of probably going to be the weird thing that we talk about yeah. through this entire thing the weird thing about professional wrestling it can be the most progressive thing ever but sometimes the reason why it has the progress that it has is because of the bottom line the dollar Yep. in the idea that yep. you you have someone who is an african-american champion and because you're running a territory that's primarily african-american fans and you want to see him become champion and be successful and those people will pay money to come in and see that person be on top and beat up the white dude and and promoters see that recognize that book that have that happen and yeah sure that's that's i guess progressive in a sense but at the same time too you're only doing that to enhance your bottom line so it's this weird thing of like representation as as opposed to intent it's it's a weird thing that it's it's, it's it's very it's very murky and especially through a lot of this it's gonna it's gonna be like that but like the idea of segregating it just really doesn't make any sense, you know?
0: I mean it's just a microcosm of shit that even goes on now with, you know, big corporations speaking out for LGBTQ and other minority groups. Like, they're only doing it now because it throws some more money their way and it's it's all the same bullshit. Nothing changes.
2: Yeah, as opposed to actual progress and yeah. actual
0: change.
2: But at the same time too, if you're a young black kid in the audience and you see somebody like boba brazil being successful and overcoming it yeah. doesn't that inspire you a little bit Hell because yeah. much in the same sense that because my uncle was a world record holder in the shop but and made me believe that i can do more than just live in my town of 82 people and work a job the idea that there's something else out there leads me to believe that it is
1: possible 100%, and the, dream, and the 100%. dreams that i
2: have are possible yep. and boba brazil does much of the same
1: while bobo was one of the earliest he wasn't the first pro wrestler to break the color barrier i tried and tried to find the literal first time it happened but i couldn't find it yeah me neither you do have uh vero small who went by black sam he was actually born a slave freed after the civil war and became a really badass boxer and wrestler he's credited as being the first black pro wrestler However, Vero was working three Gold Dust Trio days, so a lot of those matches were still mostly real fights. Like, I'm sure they took dives and stuff, but, you know, they were really doing it.
0: You can actually find some match listings of, like, actual place in New York, so-and-so went down in the third round, all types of shit. It's like, 1888, like, (laughs) record keepers were killing it back then. You also have Luther Lindsey, who we absolutely
1: have to cover at some point. Uh, he faced Ron White, not the comedian, at uh, Tennessee in 51, which literally caused a riot because Tennessee. Luther was also the first African-American to challenge for the NWA heavyweight title, taking on Luthez in 53. And here to tell you another fact about Luther Lindsey, live in the Manning Cave, friend of the podcast, Stu Hart.
3: Uh, I went up to Luther one time and I was like can I have you and I, and I took him but then he took me you, know, the, the, the you old, mean wrestling right yeah uh, I took him took he took me and I, no, I've never been took before yeah. he's the only man to ever take me uh. And that's why I was like I need to I need to get the picture of the, the, the back of the camera yeah that Helen they take the picture of the man who took me right 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 uh, and that's why they took the I took the picture like they uh, uh-huh. he took me and gotcha and I put that picture in my wallet oh I don't have any pictures of my kids in my wallet <laughs> why would you say that uh, I just uh, I'm just saying I have no no pictures whatsoever you just want to make that clear huh? want to make that very clear the <laughs> only, only picture I have in my wallet is Luther Luther, Luther, Luther Lindsay because I, I said can I have you that's very uh, progressive you, do Right because he took me. Oh, he took yeah. me. Respect. S- s- I grabbed him, but then he took me.
0: Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand anything.
3: Uh, yeah, the, 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 the Lindsay, uh, the only picture I
0: have in my wallet. Okay. I'm going to go over here now.
1: Uh, can I have you? Uh, Let, me have you. Uh, Let me have you. Let no, me have you. Let me have you. Nope. Let me have you. No. Nope. Nope. Right. No, no! even though bobo may not have been the first it takes nothing away from the enormous role he played in helping america's racist fuck nuggets fuck nuggets see let's see i don't know and helping like fuck nuggets
0: it just sounds weird and
1: uh, awkward but good takes nothing away from help from god damn it i'm <laughs> for this stew Hart thing got me all fucked up all right. <laughs> imagine how his kids feel <laughs> Even though Bobo may not have been the first, it takes nothing away from the role he played in helping America's racist fuck nuggets see the light. Whether it was for progress or the more likely case, for money, Bobo's stardom forced promoters to put him in matches against white wrestlers.
0: Other wrestlers you might want to look up, just I don't know if we'll ever get to them. Uh, Reginald Seeky, Shag Thomas, Jim Black Panther Mitchell, Jack Claiborne, and motherfucking Woody Strode, who's just one of my favorites. But uh, Bobo paved the way for them to do what they did, and there's there's so many that we'll probably never get to do full episodes on about that you need to look up and check out, and those are just some of them.
1: In 1954, Brown versus the Board of Education ended segregation in schools. That same year, Bobo would head to L.A. where he would work against Lord Leslie Carlton, Tom Rice, and the great Bolo, all known white people.
0: Uh, in the notes, you said honkies. Are you scared to say that, Nick? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I just changed it. <laughs>
2: I was just checking. I mean, take it back. Take, let's take honkies back, you know? We're going to take
0: it. Was it ever gone? <laughs> uh, not my lexicon. <laughs> At this point, uh, the thing that I found interesting going over match listings, uh, Bobo would win tons out of two out of three falls matches this time. Just two to nothing. Just bam, bam. Oh, damn. I remember uh, when Ring of Honor was booking the Briscoes to win two out of three fall matches two in a row. And I was like, oh, that's so fucking revolutionary and so interesting booking to create a monster tag team and really put someone over. It's like, yeah, of course, everything's been done and it was done 60 years ago.
1: Bubbo would also win the NWA International Television Tag Team titles on two occasions with teammate "Wurst" Snyder, who We're can name 14 respect. types of pretzels.
2: You better <laughs> fucking put some goddamn respect on Wilbur <laughs> Snyder's name. We've said this before many a fucking time. I'm going to
0: put some respect on his name. He uh, credited as the inventor of the abdominal stretch, goddammit. it,
2: mm-hmm. a fucking legend in the Indiana area. Ooh. Also, too, speaking of guys uh, we put respect on... Scott Casey liked us on Facebook. Yeah, he did. So, like, that's what you do. You put a little bit of respect on the name, they'll like
0: you on Facebook. Or you give them disrespect, (laughs) and then you make somebody put respect on the name, and you get a like on Facebook. However, a little (laughs) little comment, a little (laughs) b.
1: Bobo and Wilbert would drop the belts in early January of 55, as Bobo would head into singles competition working against Mike Sharp, Gene Kaninsky, and even getting a shot at the NWA world title against Lou Thez. And speaking of heavyweight titles, Bobo would win the Pacific Coast heavyweight title of L.A., and I believe he was the first black champion to do so.
2: Okay, Nick, this is the part where you go on a big rant about how L.A. is far more progressive than anywhere else in the country, and <laughs> because you live there, it's just all the more reason why it is progressive as it is, and that's why you migrated there. And go then ahead. we
0: bring up the Oscar nominations, you <sighs>
1: motherfucker. Hey, you guys enjoy your banjo music or whatever it is you do out there.
0: Deliverance is a good movie. <laughs> There's a match between Bobo against handsome Johnny Barin that's on YouTube that when I watched this match, this is what I envisioned that Nick thinks every wrestling match before 1957 looks like. It, it look, it's like it's sped up and everybody's racing around and Bobo's running around and uh Johnny Berend is wearing a cape and he's carrying around what the announcer calls a yum yum stick or a candy <laughs> cane it, it's cartoonish as hell it looks like Looney tones it's really fun but it just I watch it's like this is what Nick thinks all wrestling is before then that is what I think all
1: wrestling is before 1985 <laughs> yeah sorry I gave you too much credit Bobo would work mostly in LA from 56 through 58 and 58 Bobo went back up to Canada winning the NWA Canadian Open Tag Team titles with whipper Billy Watson or as I call him the less racist Bill Watts. In the late 50s Bobo would even make trips to Japan Pro Wrestling Alliance in Japan and he'd face the likes of Ricky Dozen once again doing tons for race relations this time internationally.
0: And if nobody really knows who Ricky Dozen is, he's basically the Godfather, the Father, whatever you want to call him, of Purosu. I can't, Jake. How are you supposed to say that properly? Just
2: fucking call it Japan. Don't, <laughs> be, a, don't be a fucking mark, all right? Like, no, you gotta
0: educate, motherfuckers. Yeah, are no, we not educating it. people? Oh, Jake's already done with this episode. Jesus.
2: No, I'm already, like I'm so fucking done with that fucking phrase. Like, <laughs> really? it, it, like, like it's eight different fucking ways, and and then all of a sudden Eric Bischoff's gonna say it completely different on a podcast <laughs> and be like, oh no, we fucking been saying it wrong. Like, like the the Yakuza. Everybody said, oh Yakuza, brother. No, the Yakuza. Yakuza. No, it's, it's Yakuza. Okay, so let's just let's just say, hey, I don't fucking know how to speak Japan. I fucking like watching its wrestling. It's not the end all be all. It's amazing. It's great. It's just another thing. It's another. It's another different type of music. You can like it or not.
0: There we go. That's what I wanted to get out of that. But uh, yeah, Ricky Dozen was basically uh, the father of Japanese pro wrestling. He brought it into the country, popularized it, and you're facing Ricky Dozen with Bobo Brazil, then big, big deal. Bobo kicked off the
1: 60s, finding a new home base working out of Detroit. Throughout his career, Bobo would win nine NWA Detroit United States Heavyweight Championships. And for a black man to be the champion of the United States during this time, that is some powerful symbolism and imagery. Detroit is also where Bobo would have one of his most famous feuds that spanned decades against the Sheik.
2: And so that's the thing too, like like the Sheik owned the Detroit territory and anytime business was down or he wanted to pop the territory or bring the people back in, it was like something they'd float back to. Much like in Memphis, you know, if houses down, we don't know what we're going to do. Well, let's just put Waller against Dundee. And that's, that's always going to work while we we'll cycle back to that. It, it's just one of those things, like sometimes those territories, they're just like, we don't know what we're going to do. And, you know, similar to Jim Crockett motion, we don't know what we're going to do. We'll, well, we'll just have Dusty and Flair. We know that's going to work every single time. And Bobo Brazil versus the Sheik was just one of those things that always work in Detroit. And if you've seen any of the Detroit stuff, it's very, very weird. <laughs> and it's just out there and it's not... Not as good as some of the other territories. So, like, they obviously had a lot of problems with it. So, they probably had to circle back to Bobo Brazil and the Sheik. But somehow, that stuff always was fantastic, where everything else seemed a little bit like wonky and wacky and and nonsensical. But somehow the chemistry between those two just w- was so perfect and so believable. and I think if you look online there's like a 30 minute like television show to promote like an upcoming event yeah. that they had and it just chronicles the history of that feud and how important it is and just the different iterations of it. it's just it's fantastic and it's wonderful to watch. It's just amazing.
1: In 1962, Bobo would work for Capital Wrestling, which would become WWWF, which would become WWF, which would become WWE, which will one day become Disney, as that is all our fates. Yeah, it's true. 62 would be the year that Bobo would get shots at the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Buddy Rogers, which was the title recognized by Capital at the time, as WWWF wasn't a thing yet. This is very historic for two reasons. One, Bobo would technically become the first ever black NWA champion. Two, this angle with Buddy Rogers has a lot to do with why Vince Sr. and Tootsmont withdrew from the NWA and started
0: their own company in the first place. Yeah, the, the whole controversy with Bobo as NWA champion, he beat Rogers for the belt technically because Rogers claimed an injury during their match. Bobo refused to take the belt and officially win the match because as a babyface, he had to be like, I want to win this title the right way. I don't want to win it on him doing a leapfrog and fucking up his groin, which is what happened. But then it turned out that the doctors found nothing wrong with Buddy Rogers. Then the title was held up and then the promoters saw it as maybe Buddy Rogers or them trying to pop the territory with a small local title change. Because, I mean, it's not going to be on TV. You're not going to see any of this. And then there was a whole thing where uh, apparently Carl Gotch and Bill Miller beat the shit out of Buddy Rogers in a locker room one time. I found this out. And that held up the title because they were going to do a rematch at MSG. And it turned into this whole big thing that shrouded in different rumors and why it happened and why Bobo didn't get it and... I mean his win was actually reported in New Jersey Illinois newspapers and everything there's there's all types of swirlings about it but it's kind of interesting history if you want to dive into it a little bit more
2: well and if you know anything from our Bruno episode like Buddy Rogers was kind of a motherfucker in that sense (laughs) like he didn't want to give up the belt and he had his own crew of guys and he wanted to elevate his guys to feud with him because he wanted to work with these guys but he didn't want to work with these guys the promotion wanted to put somebody else in and then it all just kind of culminated when Bruno beat him in like mere seconds mm-hmm. and then he's like oh, I had a heart attack earlier in the day <laughs> and then I had another heart attack when I was in the ring and that's why he beat me yeah. It just is it, it, probably just a another thing on the long laundry list of things that Buddy Rogers did and was just like made him that much of a motherfucker and hard to deal with and if he wasn't such a big star we wouldn't be dealing with it
1: after Bobo beat Buddy in New Jersey August 18th 1962 the NWA had a little opening they wanted to finally get the belt off Buddy, who was a pain in the ass. So they technically, like, declared him a champion for, like, a minute. And then, you know, the rest of the country was, like, racism, racism, racism. So the NWA never actually acknowledged the title with the first African-American champion being Ron Simmons when he beat Vader in 92. And then that also led to a rematch in October 30th, 1962, where Buddy beat Bobo just outright. And the whole thing with the NWA, they were already so salty at Buddy over everything else. This kind of capped it off. And this is, was one of the things that really pushed them booking Luthez to take the belt off him. Which, from our Bruno episode, that led to Vent Sr. making his own title, making the WWF, And it kind of like was a catalyst for changing wrestling forever. And speaking of leaving the N.W.A., in 61, L.A. had split from the N.W.A. and rebranded itself World Wrestling Alliance. Now separate from N.W.A., they had their own version of the world title, and this belt had some heat behind it as Freddie Blassie, Dick the Bruiser, and Lou held it. But it was 66, Bobo would become the second African-American to hold the belt after Bearcat Wright. Bobo would hold it again in 68 holding it for 341 days until it was abandoned when WWA went back to NWA Hollywood
0: some matches that i saw that are on youtube or daily motion or just google them bobo versus fritz von eric three twenty nine sixty. so you got the whole matchup of the claw versus the coco butt i don't understand some rules back in the day it's almost like if a wrestler was beating another wrestler's ass so much the ref would count him to five and get mad at him because it's basically bobo repeatedly coco butts fritz's ass so much the ref dqs him he loses the match, and fucking cops come into the ring. There are two cops that come into the ring. Bobo pulls up Fritz again. Coco butts him again, and the end of the video is the cops putting Bobo's hands behind his back and apprehending him. Uh-oh. So yeah, that's that's yeah, that's a sign of the times. Um. There's a match between him and Hans Schmidt, who's a German wrestler. My, my favorite part of this is the commentator doesn't call it a top rope or a middle rope. He calls it a top strand or a middle <laughs> strand. And I want that to start a trend. Also in this match, Bobo headbutts Joe Moscato, the ref, who I think was the ref in the Fritz von Erich match that got the cops caught on him. So fucking A. There's a fun match between Bobo and Duke Kiyomuka. Probably screwed that up. But uh, basically, it's a Japanese gimmick. And uh, th- there's a great bit where it said, in the previous match, Duke c- ceremoniously spread salt around the ring because that's the custom for his gimmick. And Bobo had to be careful because in the previous match, Duke picked up the salt and rubbed it in Bobo's eyes and pinned him because he was blind. So I was like, that's a good fucking little deal that needs to be brought back. And uh, I think this match has the best cocoa butt I've seen. Bobo does a couple leapfrogs, and he the second leapfrog, he comes down into the cocoa butt, knocking the shit out of Duke for the pin. Uh, really good stuff. And one of the weirdest things I came across, or one of the coolest what-the-hells, Nick mentioned Bearcat Wright, who was another big wrestler back then. Bobo and Bearcat Wright versus Pat Patterson and Ray Stevens at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. Two out of three falls, 60-minute Broadway tag match. And I did some fucking research. is like I, I think Kobashi and Masawa had a uh, sixty-minute tag draws with Kawada and Tao, and I think there was one in uh, New Japan. And all Japan women's did them a bunch in the mid '80s. But Jake, do you know of any sixty-minute Broadway tag matches that you've? been a part of or know of or anything because that's Uh, been a part of yes (laughs) well ours was a little work just just for whatever reason but
2: i'm pretty sure the crockett's did it multiple times yeah like Uh, like,
0: midnight and rock and roll
2: probably well i was thinking more like in the 70s with Uh like maybe a flair valentine versus blackjack mulligan and mass superstar or whoever uh, probably done to death but just that match you laid out right there. Ray Stevens, <laughs> yeah. Pat, Pat Patterson, Bearcat yeah. Wright, and Bobo, Brazil. At the Cow Palace, Jesus. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I can't even imagine how amazing that match was. Right?
1: Bobo would also spend the 60s working in what was now WWF, taking on the likes of Gorilla Monsoon, Freddie Blassie, and he even tagged up with the great Bruno Sam Martino. And Bruno had nothing but good things to say about Bobo in and out of the ring. And you know Bruno tells it how it is.
2: Well, also, too, the, the thing that I've always heard about Bobo Brazil, I always vividly remember Laney Pafo. He would talk about like you know what a wrestler should look like, and he would talk about like someone like a Bobo Brazil. He goes, it was like he was made out of granite. The man looked like a he statue. He was huge, yeah, man. He was a statue. So yeah. Bruno's always respected people that got in the gym and worked out, so I'm sure Bruno saw someone like Bobo who had this – unbelievable stature had this unbelievable body and bruno was like oh i want to tag with this guy <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the guy that I, I could see tagging with me and yeah you don't see bruno in, in too many tag matches especially when he broke off but like in the situa- situation like oh no this guy this guy tagged with me it will be quite the formidable force
1: While working for Vince Sr., Bobo would not only become the first ever WWWF United States champion when he defeated handsome Johnny Barron in 63, he won it a record seven times. And part of his seven runs with a belt, he would have two long-ass San Martino-style reigns, one being over 1,300 days between 63 and 67, and his seventh and last reign from 71 to 76 was 1,837 days.
0: Damn.
1: Sadly, though, this isn't the U.S. belt that they use today. That one is from the NWA WCW, and Brazil was the final champion when WWF dropped the title '76. Between shots in WWWF, Brazil continued traveling, working the territories around the country. He'd keep up his rivalry with the Sheik, as well as facing Andre the Giant, Bobby Heenan, Abdullah the Butcher, Harley Race. He'd also head back to Japan.
0: And what people also need to understand is, as big as a face as Bobo was in America, which for a black man in the 50s, 60s, to be that over as a face people love the fuck out of him big time wrestling i mean he was the biggest face going and but when he traveled to japan he was a heel obviously he was gauging he obviously did the heel gimmick but he didn't just do a hey i'm gonna do some bad shit here bad shit there i don't know why i did that voice right there but he went full psycho fucking heel you know how the ring girls bring the flowers out to the wrestlers and they bow and accept him? Well, Bobo would bite into the flowers and eat the fucking flowers. Um, he would spit them out all over the place. He went completely madcap. There's not too much footage of it. There's a Jack Briscoe match that you can see it in. We'll touch on later. But Bobo would heal it up. He knew all the gimmicks. He knew how to be the crazy wild man and it's it's gorgeous to see. There's a, I think it's my favorite Bobo match. Um, him versus Giant Baba. 516.69 to 30 minute draw. It's like with a lot of Boba matches back then, uh, you're not going to see too many high spots, but it's lots of good selling. They're working their ass off. And I don't know what it is. They're those rare matches where you see the, the microphone is right on the ring and it picks up everything. And this Baba match is one of the most amazing kind of peak inside that I've seen you Bobo is does not shut up the entire match he's yelling at the ref that's a fast count ref what's that choking there and then he's no 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 watch those fingers watch those fingers and then he has Bobo in a. Or he has Bobo versus Baba it's tough sorry uh he has him in a bear hug and he's screaming to the crowd I'm breaking him in half here it's just it's so fucking fun to hear Bobo react to everything Positive, negative to sell the story of the match, and I probably re- I recommend this one more than any of them. Watch Baba versus Bobo five sixteen sixty nine, and then uh, the Anoki match from four five 69 is really good because Bobo basically gets his ass beat and then hits the cocoa butt out of the blue in Japan and wins it clean. And the best part is the fans go fucking bonkers they start throwing ring seats like they're flinging in from terry funk and cactus jack getting hit with chairs and trash flying in like it's a shitty monday nitro i can't recommend those two enough those are fun to watch for some old school japan bobo stuff
1: 77 would be a big year for bobo he would get a shot at superstar billy graham's wwf championship He'd also work in Mid-Atlantic and he'd win their US title feuding with Blackjack Mulligan and later Rick Flair.
2: See, that's one of the reasons why people refer to Flair as like this link to old school like wrestling. Is, you know, he wrestled somebody like Bobo Brazil and and a lot of the guys in the Mid-Atlantic territory that came through that were kind of like towards the end of their career or later in their runs, like guys that had wrestled and made tons of money in the 50s, Flair was wrestling them. In, in the 70s here and even in the early 80s in St. Louis, you know, your Pat O'Connors and your Crushers and Bruisers, those guys were the were super box office guys in the 40s and 50s. And, you know, Bobo was just one of those guys that added credibility to someone like Flair, in that, that he's wrestling somebody of a different generation who was the top box office draw. And Flair, who wrestled, like, maybe, like, less than a decade ago, like that just shows like how much of a connection and how much wrestling history is connected to Ric Flair and Bobo Brazil is a piece of
0: that. It's also interesting. I found a kind of uh, I found a it's a SoundCloud clip of Ric Flair in '77 working as a heel, and it's one of those rare clips where everybody just worked off the cuff. It it, it was interesting in a way because like back, uh, Buddy Colt was a wrestler that had a quote that said. Here's all these racists and rednecks cheering for this Bobo Brazil to beat my fucking ass. And it's a weird way where, like, Bobo could get over so much that I'm sure he had racist white fans. But it's interesting where I'm sure Flair's racist comments made racist white guys get mad at him even though they agreed with him. But it was it was, it was a weird, like, racist dynamic that Bobo's ability to get over with everybody... Must have created conflicts in stupid old ignorant people back then. Well, that's
2: uh, that's, that's the murky thing about professional wrestling, uh-huh. yeah, and especially when it comes to race. I mean, the fact that you know the cocoa butt, the, him using his head. Right. Yeah, we talked they, about that before. We uh, talked you know. about that before that <laughs> that was the stereotype of black wrestlers. They have hard heads, and I mean, I've I've heard like old school. Guys tell me like, oh, you can't hit a black man in the head. You got to sell your hand if you punch him in the head. Like that's that's something that was said in the last ten years to me by a grown man. <laughs> by a grown man. <laughs> like, and like, you just and, nodded and went on about your. Day. I mean, you you look at like you know JYD matches Rufus R Jones. A, a lot of guys like even Tony Atlas. Yeah. I mean, the headbutt was used because black guys have hard heads and that's the murky thing about it but they are featured they're headlined they're they're put on the posters they're promoted they're pushed up the card so it is that thing of like you know, is this detrimental? Is you know, yeah, sure, you're being represented, but how are you being represented? It, it these are all appropriate questions to ask, and I don't have the answer. I don't think any nope. I, one of us three white guys can answer I'm those questions. I'm just throwing it out there, <laughs> but it, it definitely should at least be be checked a little bit uh, uh, by us verbally that we are aware of that. And as a guy who's been involved in professional wrestling, it's it is it is weird to look back at that and 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 think about. Think about that, and then also too, like I said before, the idea of like why would you segregate it? The, the real conflict is black versus white. What like the that's fuck? <laughs> that's, what, that's where the, all the money is. <laughs> like that's that's something I said like literally 20 minutes ago. Oh, it makes no it, sense. It makes no sense, especially what I know about professional wrestling. It's it's about conflict, and.
0: It's Bob- like apparently they were so worried like it would cause legit riots. That's what they talked it about. It did sometimes. And just, I mean, yeah.
2: And I, you just mentioned like a police officer coming into the <laughs> ring and arresting you. And for, and for someone like Bobo to know that he has to go out and deliver a main event caliber match, knowing as soon as he leaves the building, he's going to get treated like shit, whether he's a good guy or bad guy that's one thing that I think people have talked about with Jackie Robinson people talk about we've talked about before with like our, our Babs and Ethel mm-hmm. episode as well is just what what those women had to go through when they left the building not to mention what they went through while they were in the ring yeah. trying to do their job and Bobo did it for decades yes. Yeah, I mean as we will see he wrestled into the, the 90s and probably like I said I just Said something that was said in the last ten years, which was like twenty years after Bobo had passed away. So, like these, are, these are all things that he had to deal with for his entire life, his entire career, and did it with the utmost amount of class. As we've gone through here, we haven't heard any like seedy things about Bobo Brazil. I mean, we haven't discussed that. This is not going to turn come across
0: a single one. So, so for him
2: to be the essence of class and to be something of an example of. For someone like Lanny Poffa to go, oh, this guy, man, was chiseled out out of stone and was a Greek god and held in such high regard, when put under that amount of pressure, is remarkable.
0: And I think my favorite of all the races, Bobo's Head is Hard spots um going against baron von rashke there's a spot where he has the infamous claw it'll kill anybody he gets bobo in the claw bobo starts dancing a fucking round with his feet like he's muhammad ali and then just beats the shit out of the baron he later eventually sells it but it was just that moment of just like back in the day when the claw should you know crush fucking bowling balls and bobo's dancing around like he's carefree and just beats the shit out of baron It, it it was that first moment when i was watching bobo when I got it, when, you, when you're doing research and you see why people connected with him and liked him, and just him doing that to the Baron, I cackled in my fucking room by myself.
2: But that's the conflict. Uh, oh, no, yeah, uh, right, 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 right. Yeah. You have a guy who's basically yeah. kind of playing. He's over with. Uh, he's kind you know. of playing a Nazi. And <laughs> uh, this uh, American is is fighting back and unfazed by the, the worst thing that this Nazi can do. But he's doing it. Because he has a stereotype thing that he has a hard head. Like, that's just, like, the weird thing about this. Is this, is this good? Is this bad? Is, <laughs> I, I don't know how to feel about it.
1: By the late 1970s, early 80s, Bobo was slowing down just a little. He became a mentor to an up-and-comer, Rocky Johnson, who we just recently lost, R.I.P. In 84, Bobo would do some matches for the actual WWF. I could be wrong, but there has to be just a handful of guys who did Capital, WWWF, and WWF. You know, Bruno, Andre, can you think of any more?
2: I mean, Gorilla, you know, worked, but I don't know if he, like, worked in the ring when it was, you know, WWF yeah. and Vincent Kennedy. I, 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 don't, I don't know if it was that, but, like, I mean, he was affiliated. So, I mean, mm. the list is very short. Yeah. I mean it just shows how much of a high regard Bobo was held
1: and the longevity right like to be able to survive through capital through the whole you know 70s to 80s that's that's a long time
2: well and also too capital had that affiliation with the NWA so once that kind of split off you had NWA guys and then of course you know you have tried and true NWA guys and then once, WWF is a thing. Everybody in the NWA is mad and they've drawn the battle lines even more and it's got even deeper and what side are you on? And, you know, some guys will just be like, oh, we're clearly over here now and fuck WWF. And for someone like Bobo, he could pretty much pick and choose. Like if he worked for WWF and then went down to Jim Crockett Promotions, like, hey, you want to use me in NWA? Like, absolutely, Bobo, come on in. (laughs) (laughs) Just one of those guys that can come and go as he... Pleases, uh, very similar to Harley Race. You're like, nobody's going to raise a stink that Harley Race is going to WWF and putting a crown on and calling himself the king of wrestling. And then when <laughs> yeah. he comes back, you're like, sure, come on back. We'll we'll make him Vader's manager, and we're not going to think twice of it. We're not going to hold any ill will against you. We're not even going to say anything about it. Come on in. Nobody's going to think twice about it. And Bobo was just one of those guys.
0: Another cool thing I found, Vince in front of a WCW sign, Big John stud seven fourteen eighty four. It's on YouTube. It's a weird thing where WWF would have stuff on WTBS and it was WC. No, don't you know the story? You, I don't really You don't fucking know the no. story.
2: So before Jim Crocker Promotions was on WTS, it was it was Georgia Championship Wrestling. No. And basically Vince came in and bought the airtime on WT WTBS. And he was like, all right, well, I'm gonna put WWF on this because he wanted to go national and tbs was national so he just came in and bought up georgia championship wrestling i think it's referred to as like black saturday or something like that (laughs) and just basically said i i own georgia now this is this is what i'm gonna do and i'm gonna put uh wwf on tbs and he, he he put it up there and everybody in the area fucking hated it Like, the ratings went down. (laughs) Wow. And Turner's like, I can't put your fucking brand of wrestling on TBS. So he just basically made some sort of settlement with Vince and said, you go on and do your thing, and I'm going to do something different. And that's how Jim Crockett Promotions became basically the thing that filled that time slot on TBS – and now that, you know, Georgia doesn't exist anymore, you know, Crockett, come come on in because some of your guys were working here anyways. You know, your product is very similar to what was produced before. Cause it was a very, like, a very serious product. Also, too, like, some of the matches you see on TV be far more competitive. Yeah. Like, Vince was just putting squash matches <laughs> right. on TV, and then everybody in the South that were loyal TBS followers were like, what the fuck is this what shit? We want
0: competition.
2: What the fuck? You just get put on job matches? Fuck this. <laughs> like, you're just going to have... And also, too, like... the you would just be, like, guys that are just lumbering around beating up jobbers. It wouldn't be anything spectacular. Just, be like, slow, plotting, big individuals. Like, no, we want, we want guys like Buzz Sawyer beating the fuck out of somebody. I and mean, we're just having him beat the fuck out of somebody. We want there to be a lot of action, not just, like, stalling and uh, test of strengths uh, and stuff like that. Like, no, if you're going to have, like, job guy matches, you're going to beat the fuck out of this yeah. fucking guy. I want to see some power slams, some super flexes. I want this guy not to work for a couple months. Yeah, so... Like, that that was the whole thing is basically that's how, how you went from, like, George Championship Wrestling being on TVS to all of a sudden Vince McMahon and then finally NWA Jim Crockett Promotions.
0: Holy shit. Uh, one last thing I'd like to get in about just stuff that I found while doing research. Uh, look up the Bobo Brazil versus the Sheik match on YouTube. It's the 13-minute match, 1984. It's, it's interesting to see a 60-year-old Bobo versus a 58-year-old Sheik they're still, you know, what, 20, 30-some years into their feud, hitting each other with chairs, stabbing each other with foreign objects, strangling each other, bleeding all over the place. But there's there's a bit that I didn't see coming that I would love finding this random gold. is Before the match, there's a small in-studio segment for this Michigan uh, championship wrestling, and the base host is talking to the heel manager and a heel wrestler, and they're saying, oh, we didn't interfere to cost Bobo the match. We didn't interfere. Then they cut to the match of Bobo and the Sheik, it shows the heel manager and the wrestler cost a the match. Then it, it bookends back to the studio, and this heel manager totally loses his fucking mind. He goes into the next room, which is apparently the post production tape room. He comes back out with the supposedly the tape of the match between the Sheik and Bobo. And he starts pulling it out of the tape, ripping it to pieces, and stomping on it. And then you get the the face host screaming at the TV saying, If anybody's watching this and recording it, please send us the tape. Please call me at the studio. I, I don't know why this has... I, I, I feel like this should be done. It, it was such a great little stupid angle. Please, please watch that for sure. Bobo Chic, 13 minutes on YouTube.
2: I think they did that with the last battle of Atlanta.
0: Really? Oh
2: because i think there was an Earth. issue yeah. with like the recording of it and yeah. they couldn't play it on tv so then they had this thing like you're gonna stop it right there and they can play it because they didn't fucking have it
0: and then they made up the thing that somebody went in there and yeah <laughs> That's so uh,
2: knowing what i know about the detroit territory that was probably the case <laughs> you know, the way some of that stuff was filmed they probably like oh we just ran out of tape sorry we missed that that this important match you were trying to see sorry
1: Bobo Brazil retired in 1993 after an over four decade career. His last official match was in Chicago, Illinois, against Kelly Koniski, son of rival Gene. Bobo was inducted into the WWF Hall of Fame class of 1994, and he was inducted by none other than Ernie Ladd.
2: That's right, Ernie Ladd, the only man possible that could have ever inducted Bobo Brazil. Let me tell you about Bobo Brazil. He was a man in his time. I uh, have time back in the day. On a lad's time, in fact. A time where he, he being Bobo Brazil. Because pronouns are important. As I used to tell Vince McMahon we, we Jr. Got a, all we the time. time. We got a time. Uh, On a lad bit. will take as much time <laughs> as he pleases. Especially when he's talking of a man of a quality. Of Bubba Brazil. Yeah, Bubba Brazil. He was referred to in my day, back in the day, Ernie Ladd's day, as one mean motor scooter. A man who would break his foot off in your ass. A man that need not be messed with. A man of the same caliber as a big cat
0: lad thank you Ernie
2: are you done? yes I'm all done <laughs> talking about Bubba Brazil a man <laughs> a stature man chiseled out of granite a man very similar to the stature of the big cat lad and that truly is exactly who Bubba Brazil was
1: thank you Thank, thank you, Ernie, lad. You told me before we started this that you didn't watch the actual Hall of Fame speech. You nailed it, like line for line.
0: <laughs> I just, I just guessed. Ernie fucking kills it. I, I, I just want to point this out. But Ernie's just, I, I mark out for Ernie now. Like I saw him do this. Like, does Ernie have his hands in every single thing that is involved with black wrestler? Almost two seats away from Bobo at his Hall of Fame, Regis Philbin. Yeah. What the fuck.
2: Uh, Bobo, what do you think? <laughs> uh, what do you think about this? Uh, Bobo, yeah, this is a good, it's a good, spread, isn't it? Right here. This is, uh, how was the prime rib? Was the prime rib good? I, I really like the prime rib too. What do you think, Bobo? Ah, uh, this, this only lad guy. He starts to be talking a lot yourself. You better get up there. You better, you better shoot an angle here. Is that what you call? It? You call it angles, right? Are you a good guy, bad guy? I know what it is. Baby face heel. That's what you call. It. That's what you call it. It's Regis. You can talk to me. You can talk. To you can break kayfabe with Regis.
1: By the late 90s, Bobo's health was getting away from him. Bobo was hospitalized January 14th, 1998, after suffering a series of strokes. On January 20th, 1998, at the Lakeland Medical Center in St. Joseph, Michigan, we lost the great Bobo Brazil at the age of 73. So, final thoughts on Bobo.
2: I kind of shared, like, in the middle, like, the importance of someone like Bobo and and the struggles that he went through, but I'd reiterate again. The the, the class, I haven't heard anybody talk a crossword about Bobo Brazil. Everybody refers to him as a class individual, a gentleman, an unbelievable physical human specimen. And for him to go into some of these places... During segregation and obviously after segregation, and being a a representative of his race, his culture, and a representative of professional wrestling, you couldn't find anybody better than Bobo Brazil. So, yeah, just unbelievable human being, man, wrestler, solid dude. He is the Jackie Robinson In, in my mind. Yeah, sure, there was somebody that broke the barrier before, but when you think of a guy who defined african-american athlete in his sport bobo brazil was that guy
1: bobo worked against everyone harley flair luthes you never really hear him mention like he doesn't get a quarter of the coverage of those other guys and you know finding matches and talking points for this episode was so hard when he is not only a wrestling legend he's an important historical figure anytime Someone was born when Bobo was born and lived as long as he did. I always try to think of all the things they saw, like, in their lifetime. He saw the progress of cars, phones. In theory, Bobo Brazil saw an episode of the Power Rangers. He he got to see MLK lead a revolution, the changes in sports and pro wrestling, the influence of black culture on the mainstream, all things just unthinkable during his childhood he started out in wrestling when he couldn't even sit in the crowd or sleep in a hotel across the street from the arena he was fucking headlining in and he ended up in a ceremony that honored his accomplishments and enshrined him in a hall of fame his uh, contributions to society on a local level Are important like part of change and acceptance is exposure and personal interactions. Wrestling and sports in general has a huge effect as far as changing one mind at a time, day by day, case by case. And Bobo did exactly that. He he opened doors. He led the way. He handled himself with class during a time he wasn't given much respect. And you know he pushed
0: through. He helped change the world, and he should never be forgotten. Forty year career that can't be said enough a 40 year career just mentally emotionally physically to maintain all of that i was going to ask jake what he pictures himself 40 years into his career dead <laughs> <laughs> so that got a little dark but uh Bring it back around. I would say uh, more stuff that I found. I just got to gotta put over Bobo, everything that made me smile and made me understand. There's a Champion of the People YouTube video, Bobo, and it's just 12 minutes of good music and some of the best still pictures of him in the ring, of him selling in the middle of holds, being happy, showing how good of a baby face he was, because he was such a good baby face. There was one match where the referee is announcing him as the winner of the match, and Bobo is hugging the ref as he's doing it gleefully smiling to the crowd and it's just that you understood that magic and why everyone gravitated towards him probably uh, behind the Baba match he's in a tag match with the Miller Brothers 321 58 it's on YouTube I cannot recommend this match enough there's a comedy spot at the beginning of this match that is fucking brilliant it made me laugh my ass off it's it's one of those things that's so simple and it's executed so good I was literally blown away there's so many good like you watch old school matches and there's these spots that are so creative that you don't wonder why you see more of them now today I would recommend the crap out of that match I gotta give a lot of love to Crimson Mask on the Wrestling Classics message board on the research I did digging on this he provided a lot of good insight and other guys on Wrestling Classics I want to close with um, a story that uh, Jack Briscoe actually tells himself uh, on the Wrestling Classics message board. Like I mentioned, Jack Briscoe apparently actually had an account on there, and they were talking about his match that I mentioned, where Psycho Hill Bobo would chew up the flowers, and Bobo got a Coco headbutt pinfall in a two out of three falls match within a minute over Jack Briscoe, which is huge. And we're just gonna we're gonna go to Jack Briscoe to tell this final story, which was just kind of cool to hear. I didn't work with Bobo very much. I didn't think it was a very good match. (laughs) I kind of put it out of my mind. Bobo was a hard work for me because our styles were so different. Bobo was a loner. He kept to himself. You never saw Bobo except for the dressing room. Even on Japan tours where everybody ate together and drank together every night. Bobo kept to himself. But don't get me wrong, I like Bobo a lot. I remember one time when I was coming to Japan and he was already there. And I got a phone call from Dory And Dory asked me to please bring Bobo some Red Man chewing tobacco because he loved him some Red Man. When I got there, he asked me, did you bring me my Red Man chew? I said, yeah, Bobo. Opened up my bag and threw him a couple of pouches. His jaw dropped and he goes, Jack, is that all you brought? I just looked at him like, yeah, Bobo, isn't that a lot? He just said, thank you. About a half hour later, he goes, I can't believe that's all you brought. I just smiled and opened my bag up. Then I have the rest of his tobacco, well enough for the rest of his tour. Bobo's eyes lit up and he gave me the biggest hug. I got him good on that one. And that's the type of pranks in the ribs that we should be doing. Not filling people's bags up with shit. So thank you, Jack and uh, Bobo, for doing good ribs. And for Bobo, he said, what street did he grow up on? He grew up on Tough Street.
1: If you've noticed some ads in this or the last few episodes, it's because we trying to get paid. If ads bother you, I'm going to start putting the episodes ad-free on our Patreon on the uh, $1 tier. That is the lowest they'll let us do. $1 a month, $12 a year. Uh, Patreon.com slash TimbellPod. Speaking of Patreon, thank you to everyone donating, including some new subscribers, Jake. And most
2: notably, Richard Atkins. Bob Satinin, which Big Bob, thanks for all the support Not yeah, just here, you, but also on How Do This Good Book Appreciate you too Also too, big thank you to Dave Simoten, Uh I'm going to say it a couple different ways and You're going you, to nail it one uh, of uh, the times I'm going to nail it Simoten. I think I already said it that way <laughs> And I think that's the way it's said So uh,
0: Dave Simoten. Thank you Richard and Dave, I want to say it too Yeah, Richard, Bob and Dave Richard, Bob, Dave
2: Thank you so much for all your contributions on Patreon. And uh, hopefully I got to say some more names and mess up some more last names.
1: So. Eh. Simo Ta...
0: Mm. That was the worst one.
1: <laughs> Fight the patriarchy and the algorithms by rating and reviewing us wherever you're listening. With our move to Anchor, we are on all types of shit I've never heard of. So help help us out. Um, follow us on social media at Pod. There is a 10bellpot.com. Follow Jake at Men Scout Manning. Micah J Trotter27 on the Twitters. Blah. I am N-I-C-K-O-H-L-E-S-S-A on Twitter and Instagram.
2: I'm sorry folks, this is Tony Shavani, and we're all out of time. It's sting. Hello there. This is the Enforcer, Double A Arn Anderson, known as a man who is a part of the Four Horsemen. Now, I'll be honest, I think the Four Horsemen would be better if it was a triad, because let's be honest, Oli, bit of a grumpy Gus, an individual that you must not want to spend a lot of time with, and I understand, and I feel real bad about that, Oli, I'm sorry, And also, as we know, totally kind of a prick sometimes. And Bear would just be known to be wandering off. And see, I think we would have been a lot better, drew a lot more money in my time, if it was just a triad. And see, the people that understand that the most are the guys over at Ten Bell Pod. They don't need a fourth man just hanging around. No, you just need somebody lurking in the dark corner that might just jump out with a tire iron and swing it around willy-nilly in the middle of the ring. But instead of wagging around a tire iron, I suggest you go over to patreon.com backslash frontslash bell pod <laughs> and give some money to these guys that figure out the economy of members of a faction and just let them know that Double A Arn Anderson sent
3: you there.